On today's episode of Scientific Healing, you're going to hear personal brand strategy and speaker training. Here is today's scientific healing tip. Sit up nice and straight. When you straighten up your spine, you let the energy flow up and down really nicely. And this is how we're going to get prepared. And the second thing is to not take some nice, slow, deep breaths. And when you breathe in, imagine the air going all the way down to your toes. And when you breathe out, imagine all the darkness coming out. Just those two steps right there, you'll notice your energy start to shift. And if you do this for about two, three minutes, you will have changed your body chemistry by dropping your cortisol levels by 20% and raising your testosterone levels by 20%. Hello everyone, you're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. I know the power of vibrational healing by combining physics and ancient healing arts to create my own system that has helped thousands of people get well, get more profitable, and has amplified their results. Discovering how you can energetically attract new clients when working as a healer or coach, go to scientifichealer.com forward slash success. One of the fastest ways to draw people in and get them interested in what you have to offer is speaking, whether it's speaking from a, a platform in front of an audience or even speaking on Facebook Live or YouTube. Speaking is incredibly powerful. And my next guest, Heather Paduska, is an expert at getting you to show up as your best and authentic self and become a very powerful speaker. I met Heather at Harvard last summer, and she did a strategy session on my talk and offered me some of the best advice I've ever received, even though I've paid thousands of dollars to other coaches. So listen in, people. This is really awesome stuff. She has 20 years of performance experience. Let's face it, interesting speaking is always entertaining. Heather was on stage as an operatic soprano and as a speaker and host of her popular podcast and television show called Thrive. She combines her performance skills with her expertise as a personal brand strategist, image consultant, gotta look good, and business coach to teach driven entrepreneurs how to become highly profitable, dynamic presenters, and rise to celebrity status in their industry. Like her clients, Heather can help you appear on national platforms and make thousands of dollars speaking live and in front of the camera. What I love about Heather is that her greatest love and desire is helping entrepreneurs, including healers and coaches, get to the core of who they want to be and giving them tools to express themselves powerfully and authentically. And without further ado, let me welcome Heather to the show. Welcome, Heather. I'm so glad you're here to speak to my audience. Oh, thank you, Anastasia. I'm so excited to be here and thankful for the opportunity to share, you know, whatever would be helpful for your audience. Yeah. So, you know, everyone has a really personal story. I'm really interested in hearing more about that being a, a, a soprano, an operatic soprano, and how you then translated that into helping people um, with whatever they do, you know, helping them speak and yeah, you know, get more attention by by becoming very powerful speakers. Can you can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, I was a musician before I was an entrepreneur, before I was a mom, before I was you know a wife. I've been a musician since as long as I can remember. And one of actually my earliest memories is being I don't know like four or five years old, sitting on the street corner waiting for a friend to come over to play, like little kids do, all kids do do things like that, and singing, and I was making up songs, and I had a really distinct memory of thinking, I hope someone hears me and discovers me, and it was, you know, way before, way, way, way before America's Got Talent, The Voice, it was just a really organic desire of a little kid to be seen and to be heard and to have her talent recognized, to feel special. And I really think that's what everybody wants at the core. And as kids, we're able to sort of feel that and express that more freely. And you know, as, as we grow, it gets covered under other things and we try these different ways to get that need met. 
and for me it was through music and I was really involved in my church and um, by the time I was 11 I was teaching piano lessons and I was our church pianist and I did all the things that musical kids do I competed in competitions I, did, I sang solos in church I was you know had lead roles in the musicals at school and then um, and then my senior year of high school, I applied and won a congressional scholarship to study abroad for my senior year. So I lived in Germany my senior year, and I wanted to keep my music studies going. So I found someone who could teach me voice lessons there, and it was an American who was um, singing and performing and touring in Europe at the time. And I went, I would go to Karlsruhe to the army base there and take voice lessons with him. And he suggested that I go see an opera. And I really didn't even know what opera was because I grew up in a really small farm it was across the street from my house. So I really didn't know, but he was my teacher and he said, if you get a chance, go. And as part of my scholarship for this congressional scholarship, they took us to Berlin and it was still communist, you know, East Germany at that time. So it was quite an experience. And we got to West Berlin and um, we got a chance to go to the opera. And I'll never forget walking in this theater, this like, beautiful theater, and the conductor came out, and the orchestra rose, and it was da 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 dee da da It was La Boheme. I mean, like, how lucky could you get? Like, Puccini, one of the most beautiful art operas ever written. And the music and the pathos of the story and the singing, oh, my gosh. But... Yeah, so I, I lived in Germany for 13 years. So oh, I know, wow. Yeah, so I know how incredible they are. Like just in our little village, we would go to church during the holiday season because they would put on a Christmas concert and just the people that were in the village could sing beautiful opera. <laughs> where, were, where were you? Uh, I was near Frankfurt, between Frankfurt and the city Mines. I was south of Mines, and okay. uh, yeah, I worked in Mines, which is right across the the river from Wiesbaden. Nice. So yeah, so being being in this completely different culture, I could understand. You know, you got really lucky to spend a year in Germany. It's it's just so so fabulous there. I just love being there, and I'd love to go yeah. back again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And like like I said, it was, you know, really prevalent in the culture, especially at that time. It was way more common than here. You could go to a small, not a teeny town, but a smaller town or city, and they would have a glorious, you know, classical music and opera and all of those things. So I was really lucky. So uh, in Berlin, I, I mean, I saw Bohème was my first opera. And I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> jackpot at that point. But the thing that really got me was at the flowers at the people's, the singer's feet. And that left a huge impression on me. So for that kid that was like five years old, wanting approval, wanting to feel special, seeing someone get that kind of recognition and the applause and the flowers, like just something went off in my brain that like I had to have that. So um, when I, I decided that I was going to study opera and classical music and mm -hmm. after I went back to the, I mean, I kept you know, studying with my teacher in Germany and then I uh, applied for college while I was living in Germany and I went back to the States and um, got my undergraduate degree and then I got uh, accepted into the New England Conservatory to study classical singing. And what happened was instead of being a big fish in this little pond in northern Wisconsin with the cows, <laughs> I, was, I was a little fish in a sea of the most glorious musicians because my dream was to be at the Met. And you don't go to the conservatory unless you want to be a performer, you know, like at that level. Most people who are there want the same kinds of jobs. They want to be at the best, you know, the best symphonies and in, in operas. And, you know, they want the highest level. And um, I was so diligent. I worked very hard. I practiced all the time. And I started developing this body tension. And my voice is naturally very high. I'm a lyric coloratura soprano, so like high notes and very flexible. I can do runs easily. And what happened was I started developing very severe tension in my jaw and in my tongue and in my shoulders. And I, it, 
started cutting off my technique and it's, I started losing my high notes. And because I worked really hard, I was a really good musician, was a good actress, but I would get to auditions and I would just clench up. So it was really painful and and then I would get like in these pressure situations and with the competition all over, I just it, 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 that tension started permeating my body more and more. And I tried everything I could think of to try to overcome it. I did Alexander lessons every week for three years, which is basically alignment, like how to use your body and posture mm-hmm. lessons. Mm-hmm. So every week I would go to Alexander lessons for my posture. I went to New York to study with a breath specialist who worked with emphysema patients to understand how to breathe, not just for singing, but like breath for your body for living. Um, I went to therapy to try to work out all of the emotional kinks. I mean, I really like put my whole heart and soul into trying to figure this out. And I, you know, was fighting my way through it and I went was auditioning and eventually I got some small things and I ended up at the Boston Lyric Opera and I was there and I was in the professional ensemble and I was doing some small roles and doing some touring with a smaller mm-hmm. uh, you know outreach of the company. But after you know five or six years I was still in the chorus, the professional chorus. And I will never forget the moment that I knew that I was done because I was in the Schubert theater in Boston and the director had staged me so that I was sitting on the lip of the stage facing away from the house, away from the audience towards upstage. And the orchestra was playing behind me. The house was full. There were like 1500 people, maybe more in the audience. And the lead, it was magic flute. And the lead soprano was standing right in front of me singing over the top of my head. And I just, I knew I was done. I was like, what am I doing here? I'm watching someone else live my dream. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm my back. No one can see me. My back is to the audience. I'm on the floor. And it just, I remember thinking this feels like torture, like sitting here to have someone sing over the top of my head, knowing that I still was struggling so much. So I had poured my whole life into it. I was, you know, all of my resources, my soul, my my passion, my intellect. I, you know, I went to Italy to study Italian. I mean, I like it was my life, and I, 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 I don't have any regrets about that because I, I gave it my all as as much as I could. But at that moment, it was my come to Jesus moment. And I was like, I'm done. I, I don't know what else I can do. So, I, I left thinking there must be some. I must be good at something, but. I had been a musician my whole life. I like that's all I knew. So I remember paging through the Boston Globe one Sunday, and um, I saw an ad for a career counselor. And I called her and had some sessions. And I said, I don't know what I can do, but I feel like I must have something to offer. And my my whole process of trying to sort of battle with this tension. I, I had been in therapy, and I'd started a lot of self-development research because I was really trying to understand my body and how all these things were connected. And so, so in other words, you got to learn all of the ways to help people because you went and got all the help that you needed for yourself. Exactly. So, so really, all this, this whole experience was this huge amount of training. So now, so now you can help other people get over the stage fright, you know, be their best self, put their best voice forward, you know, perform at a, at a, a much higher level than they would otherwise. Right. Yeah. And my, we, the, when I went to the career counselor first, we, we came up with some assessments and I did image consulting and I got certified as an image consultant um, because I'd always had to dress for the stage and for auditions. I knew how to do that. I knew how to put the look together because you have to stand out visually too when you're mm-hmm. on stage and competing for roles. So I did that. It wasn't quite, I was like, uh, I think there's something more I want. So I went back and when she told me about personal branding, I was like, well, this is this is it because it checked all the boxes, like mm-hmm. helping people find their voice, helping people connect with their audience, helping mm-hmm. them tell a really compelling story and look the part and engage with their audience. So um, once I, once I figured that out and I got certified as a personal brand strategist, then it was just, you know, moving forward from there. And of course, lots of entrepreneurial training and marketing things since then. But um, I think, like you said, uh, Anastasia, the thing that it really 
helped me this the whole experience i think gave me a very very deep empathy for people who are trying to find their voice you know i was trying to find my voice physically and through the process of working with clients it helped me find my deeper voice as i was serving as i showed up to serve other people I understood what voice meant at a much different level. Yeah. And so your whole this whole story actually now demonstrates exactly what you do for people is, you know, um, so when someone comes to you, like what's an ideal client? Like when somebody comes to you, what is it that they're looking for? Well, I think at this point, because um, when I first, it's changed since when I first started, but an ideal client for me is someone who has something to say. And they're um, at a point in their career, they probably have a business, they're generating money, they, they've, they've worked in their business, and they've had some level of success. But now they really have something to say, and they want to take that their message to a bigger audience, and they need help. Um, understanding how their story connects to their business and creating a, a platform that's clear and authentic to who they are and mm -hmm. understand what their story is, how to tell their story so that it, it demonstrates the value that they bring and connects with their audience in an emotional way. So it's both pieces. It's, it's telling their story. And I think that's some of what you and I talked about, like telling your story but also you're running a business. So how is that story illuminating what you do and why you do it and the value that you bring to your audience? So those kinds of people who want to be on, you know, want to be on in media, who want to be in bigger and better stages, maybe they want, maybe they're authors and they've written a book and now they want to tell their story in, in public. And so um, those kinds of people who then need, also performance polish so that they can feel confident in their bodies on stage and move and use the space and really project with enthusiasm and passion and authority when they're speaking and um, look, look the part, right? So exactly, exactly. That was one thing that was frustrating about Harvard is that they had us on these little platforms and um, I, I learned at when I first started teaching that I really need to work the whole room. So I would go up the aisles, down the aisles, back and forth and connect with people by looking at them in the face. And by being up on this podium <laughs> was really tough. Mm -hmm. But yes, it's exactly that is, you know, that wasn't authentic for me. So it was like a little difficult. But um, I get what you mean, you know, being able to, to feel really comfortable mm -hmm. in, in your body. So, so when right. people come there, like I get it with, with authors, like one thing that people don't really understand is they think, oh, if I just produce this book and I get this book out, then everything will be solved. Mm. And actually, <laughs> the, after you finish the book, that's when the work really begins. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and so I and so this is really important. This is important people that when you start to put yourself out there, the most important thing that you can do is speak. You know, whether mm -hmm. it's absolutely right, is speaking on Facebook live, you know, do it regularly, speaking on YouTube, going out, maybe creating a meetup or going to a meetup and you know, connecting with people or giving a, a talk at a local event or even a big event. Like I just sponsored an event last October and I got 10 minutes on stage, which was just awesome. I, I love doing it, but, and that I got to pace. <laughs> so, so getting that book out there. So what's a typical result or outcome that when someone comes to you, what, what, what do, what do they find? What do they develop? Well, I think it depends on, there are sort of three areas where, I, well, four areas where I focus, and it depends on what somebody needs at that time. So mm -hmm. the basis is the messaging. Like, do you have a platform? Do you have a point of view? What is it that you're trying to create? What is your mission, right? What, it, what, what transformation are you trying to create in the world? And how do you want to communicate that? So that's one piece. And then is there a profit strategy around that? You know, you have your message, but do you have the business model behind that? So what is What's the sell? What's the ask that you're, you're using? So um, most people, 
it depends on where they are in their business. If someone is just starting that process of getting, you know, onto the stage, they might need messaging help or they might need help with the, the profit strategy. But the perform but there might be people who are out there performing or speaking who want to be speaking authors. They have a talk, but they need that they need that performance quality because the performance quality is what makes or breaks sales. And it's what grabs I mean that's why we go to movies that's why we you know, like we go back because it's it's an experience to you know you're taking on this emotional journey so for someone to stand on stage and be able to tell their story in a really authentic way so that it still feels like it's their story they have ownership of it but they can tell their story in a way that's emotionally engaging and demonstrate their expertise and, and authority at the same time. So that performance piece and getting grounded in your body and exuding the kind of charisma that you, you, that energy that you need. It's I mean I have chills talking about it because it's just, it has to come through your body. It um, does. It does. Yeah. So people, so people, that's another thing is to get that confidence. I run stage ready master classes in a theater, my local theater, and I get people on stage and as much as possible through those, you know, work, those day workshops, even like getting up and saying your name, they're on stage because I want them to get used to performing in that space. Because mm -hmm. then when you have, when you have the physical experience of being on a stage in a theater, you can take that cellular experience to a conference room. <laughs> and you have it in your body. So that's I, I completely agree that emotional connection is so important. Like I always think I'm connecting from my heart to your heart, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever I'm speaking with anybody. And when I'm on stage, I always make sure that I focus on faces and mm -hmm. connect with their hearts. Because when you connect with one, you connect with all, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And um and so so that's that's a that emotional message that's an important message for people mm -hmm. to feel you not yeah. just hear you it's not the words so the big mistake is that people think it's the words and it's really not the words are only 7% of the whole thing the other right. 93 is body language emotion connection tonality everything right right Right. Yeah. Right. And appearance and appearance. So that that's the fourth piece is the appearance part. Mm -hmm. So I still use my image consulting chops because if you want to be a star, you need to show up like a star. Right. Mm -hmm. And my voice teacher used to say to me, Heather, they see you before they hear you. So you could have the most glorious high note in the world. But if you walk out on a stage and you don't look like someone who's going to do that, even if you perform well, you're starting at a disadvantage as opposed to like showing up in the package that 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 reads I'm it you can relax I'm here I've got what you want and having that um, communicate your your brand and your vibe and your personality and your expertise so all those pieces have to work together the message the authority the body the performance and the look and I know some people get kind of like mm, they don't want to be fake or you know over glam you don't have to be over glam no you need to be yourself but i mean mm -hmm. like you know like at harvard there were all sizes and shapes but you need to show up as the best version of you and understand that there's um there's the you that goes to the grocery store and the dump and then there's the you that shows up on the stage and it's still you but you're playing a different role and it's a different costume right so. Exactly right. So let's take a little break and we'll dive deeper into your process and talk a little bit more about the business side because I know that's part of your business. Mm -hmm. So I want to remind all of our listeners that you're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. And today my very special guest is Heather Paduska, someone you want on your team to help you show up and shine. When we return after the break, we'll dive deeper into her process. Stay tuned. Hello, hello, this is Dr. Anastasia Chopolis, the scientific healer. And today on Raise Your Frequency, I'm going to talk about how distance healing works. And it's from a quantum mechanical or quantum physics perspective and how you can transcend separation to healing someone anywhere in the world. Quantum science is actually stranger than fiction. 
what is quantum physics? You hear all the time, quantum this and quantum that. Quantum is like quantity. It means that there is a discrete, quantum is a discrete amount. It's all about the behavior of tiny particles at the atomic or the subatomic level. And they don't do what large objects do. In fact, compared to what our large objects do, <laughs> their behavior is actually very bizarre. So now if you imagine that every electron that is around every atom needs to be accounted <laughs> for from zero to infinity, what is that saying? That's saying that all um, electrons are actually able to interact with all atoms in the universe. So that means that we are all connected just by virtue of quantum physics. And the way it actually works is that until you find where the electron is, the electron exists in all space. It is actually a waveform that continues in all space. So now you have this electron that's this waveform that occupies all space or is infinite. So that means that every particle is connected to every other particle and everything is connected all the time. That means that the possibility of distance healing, in other words, me sitting here and you sitting wherever you are, that if I, if I do some energy work, like I shift your energy field or I clean your energy field up, I bring you here in front of me, I've transcended the distance, and I work on you right here because this is our physical reality, right? So, um, so science actually shows you how energy healing can work at a distance. So what I've talked about today are two things. One is that we're all connected and two, quantum physics tells us that we can transcend distance in an instant. In other words, you can be here and show up over here in an instant, right? In, in, in the energy world. But what I want to tell you is that you all, because this is reality for all of us, you all can do the same things. You know that you're connected to everyone. You know that you can transcend distance and that you can heal yourself. And you can also hear your family members, your friends, your clients. Everybody has this ability to heal. And what I'd like to do is I've reserved time on my calendar to have a conversation because I'm opening up a comprehensive, full-blown healing program for you to be able to do all of this on your own. And I have, because I'm a scientist, I've created a series of protocols to be able to, for you to connect and do all of those things that I can do. I've taught other people to do this, these things like, um, processing processes and healing cancer processes and helping people have more energy, get more sleep, um, heal chronic diseases, all of these things. I've helped them actually um, do this for other people and the results are very rapid. So I'm, I'm, I have put together, I have taught little courses like this before, but this is now a more comprehensive course. And based on the results from the other courses, I have developed a brand new program. There is a link for scheduling an appointment for with me right there. So when you're ready to uh, work with me or to speak with me about this, I'm happy to connect with you. Welcome back. You're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Choplis. You can discover more about scientific healing and the deceptively simple processes that are powerful for interacting with others positively and effectively. Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash success to learn how to be energetically attractive to others and magnetically attract people to you. Before the break, we were talking to Heather Paduska about how you show up publicly and how she can help you in four powerful ways. Let's dive deeper into her process. Welcome back, Heather. This Thank has been a, a totally awesome show. I'm really excited to talk about um, talk about some more things. Like what I'd like to hear now is uh, so you've gotten some, you know getting people to show up. So tell us about a case or two where you took somebody and completely transformed them. Mm, okay, cool. 
um, my client who she came to me um, and she had been in PR and new journal. She was a journalist and in PR, she was a great writer and she um, was launching her business, helping other people unearth their story. So she was helping people with their story and helping with their marketing. She was really smart and knew how to write. And she was doing all the things that you are told to do when you're building your entrepreneurial business. She was blogging. She was, um, she had an email list. So she was mailing her list and she had started doing, I think some video, but she wasn't getting the traction. Like she wasn't getting the response. And, um, we work together, you know, when I work with people, it's an, it, it's an intimate process because your story is personal. And, mm-hmm. um, we worked together for a while and, and we t- we talked about what her story was and I I kind of had a sense that there was a deeper level and as we worked the story came of some trauma and some abuse and she finally got to the point where she was comfortable um, on her own, you know, of her own volition to share her story. So we really worked to get to that level. Like if that was the, the story she wanted to take ownership of to, to tell it and to use it in her business and she sent an email to her list that had been sort of unresponsive. And she sent one email. She told her story in that email. And she made $7,800 from that email, from telling her story. Wow. Same client got her like first sort of big speaking gig. It was the first time she was going to be speaking about her story. And we had... Uh, you know, I take people through a, a specific process, you know, similar to what you and I talked about, about how to structure your talk. So you're going to tell your story, but you're also going to structure it in a specific way so that you are, um, you know, sort of moving your audience along with you through the story, but also helping them be open to the sale at the end so you can actually make money from your speaking. And so we'd worked on that. We worked on her story, getting her comfortable. Um, she'd done my stage ready master class, so she'd had some practice on stage. And she got to the talk, and it was the first time she was telling her story. Um, she got to the conference room, and she was in the middle of her talk. The lights went out in the conference room. The hotel had lost power. They had to evacuate the room, and she had to go back into the room and you know, kind of finish up her talk. And she still made, I don't know, like $1,500 from her talk. And it was the first time that she told it because she was ready. Like she, we had done the work. She, she knew the story. She knew the structure. She'd been on stage. And so even though all these things happened that, you know, she'd had a death in her family the week before that happened, there were all these things surrounding this, you know, premiere of her talk. And she still got back on and made money and told her story from her talk. Right, because they, she had it and wired. That same client. Yeah, wired and yeah. confident. And, you know, she had it all up here and it was coming from here. And that's what made the difference, right? Yes. And so the, then the same client came back again. So we worked like lots of different times and she came back for a, like a makeover, an image work together. And she looked so amazing. I think I put her in like this blue and tan leopard print dress. She looked so, so amazing. And I was at a conference where she was as well. And um, I was standing next to her. We were chatting. And this woman from across the ballroom is like darting between these tables to come up to us. And she runs up to us out of breath. And she's like, to my client, she said, I don't know who you are or what you do, but I saw you from across the room and I had to come and talk to you. It just like, she just drew it. And some people don't like this word, but I like the word groom. Like, I feel like I groom stars. I, I really help them be, like embody their potential and polish the edges and really groom them to be leaders yeah. and performers. Well, that's, you know, one thing that people don't really talk that much about, and I love that you have it all combined. One thing that people don't talk that much about is, is, you know, getting your image together. It's huge. It's huge. You know, I've had, I've had my share of image consulting, right, with people doing it for me. And, you know, like the colors that I wear are suitable for me. 
-hmm. right? So I feel, I feel way more comfortable when I'm wearing these colors and also this, the styles, even though, you know, I've gained weight since menopause and I can't seem to get rid of it, but I'm working on it. But, you know, I still am comfortable in my body (laughs) and being, and I can get up on stage, even though I, I I look at the pictures and I'm going, man, that's not the lean picture I have in my mind because I spent most of my life really lean. Right. But, but it doesn't matter if you, if you feel comfortable in your body, right. And you, you're groomed properly with the proper colors and proper styles and the proper hair and the proper, you know, the whole look. Yeah. And I, and like we were talking about, it's not trying to make somebody into something they're not. It's really understanding the canvas that you have and Mm -hmm. optimizing Mm-hmm. And, and working with what you have so that you feel amazing. I mean, I have yet to meet the person who, when they look great, that they don't feel really good about themselves. When you, when you, it's human nature. When you walk out your door and you're like, I look great, you feel good. And then you exude more confidence. And that, that's true. I actually read that before I went to college. So on every exam in college, I was dressed up for it. <laughs> Because I felt really good, and I'm going. I'm oh, that's so good. funny! They have yes, of course. It's so funny at my kids' schools at the I think at the middle school for sure. I don't know about the high school, but they have dress for success days. And if you dress on the day that you dress for success, you get an extra point on your test. <laughs> awesome! Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's I think one of your top tips is to is to to you know get a minute image makeover because you'll feel way more confident, right? Totally. Oh my goodness. And you know, I, it's one of the things I get sort of worked up about because I think people think it's sort of a frivolous extra, but when you understand what it's, colors look good on you, how, how to dress the, the shape that you have, what styles you like, you save so much time. You walk into a store and you're like, I'll try on that, that, and that. I know it's going to work. Yes, exactly right. It saves you time. It saves you money. But much. It's just. Yeah, but let's look at it from because I deal with energy. Let's look at it from an energetic standpoint. Yeah. So if you wear something that's not suitable for you, it's like putting a filter in front of you and blocking the view to people to be able to see who you authentically are. And as soon as you dress in your own way and your own style that matches you and makes you feel good, you start shining. And now people can see your heart. They can see who you are. They can see your energy. And that is the more important reason. You know, not only will you feel you look polished and people know that you are that part, but you'll also feel that part and people will be able to feel that. And they'll feel that that integrity that's coming out of you that that's who you are. I I love that. So can I ask you a question about that? Of course. So what do you think it is that, that gets in the way of people? What what do you think it is that people put that veil up and, and don't about? Well, there's, there's a number, there's a number of, of causes to, to putting up this, this fog around people. One is fear, fear of being seen and fear of being discovered because they think they're a fraud. Mm. So that's the most common. But uh, an, another one is a lot of people have had damaged or dysfunctional relationships. Mm. And those relationships, when you still have that old energetic emotional baggage from those old relationships, it kind of puts a filter over you and it colors who you are. Because mm. it's not who you are, it's what's hanging around in your field. Mm. So, so for example, I was married to a very, um, very angry, verbally abusive man who was also an alcoholic. Mm. And until I cleared it, I seemed to be attracting more of the same. It's like, mm. that's how they saw me because I had that in my field. Mm-hmm. And then when I released it, I started getting calmer types in my because I, I did the healing on myself, I started getting calmer types. And now my, my now husband is a very calm and easygoing guy. Nice. And everybody yeah. asks me, where do I find one of him? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, I love 
Well, thank you for answering that because I think that it, it also highlights something that I believe really deeply and that is that image is about self-love and the mm -hmm. relationship that you're honoring is the relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you dress what, what you really feel, that is an act of self-love and that, mm -hmm. that shines out. And um, the mm -hmm. other thing I was going to say about that is sometimes with image, especially, you know, sometimes he, and you, maybe you have a different viewpoint about this, but sometimes healing comes from the, from the inside out. Like you work on the inside and that gets reflected out. Well, but that's I also, all, it's always the case because illness well, comes from the outside in. And, and but, wellness comes from the inside out. But, Mitch, it's from the outside in. Because when you see how you can look, you start to believe what you see in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And it feeds the inside. So that's one. I don't know how you feel about that as a, an energy person. But the, I feel like sometimes, I've because I've seen it with clients, like once they see themselves and they're like, then they really own it and believe it, which if they hadn't, it might not have been as easy to feel that. So, yeah, But they were willing to let, they're willing to allow you to see who they are and you help them put together. So they're already in that place of being willing. So that, that, so that is really coming, the healing is coming from the inside out. Oh, you see me as differently? Well, then show me. And then when they see it, they go, yes. So it's all, it's, it's like subtle, but there is a difference there. Because if they were willing, if they weren't willing to change anything, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. No, I don't like it. No, no, no. I was just watching a business show where, you know, a, the mentor in the business, uh, running the business show was trying to help someone, you know, he knew that there was a multi-million dollar potential for that business was trying to help them see it. And they kept, she kept going, no, 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 I don't like that label. I don't want that. I don't want this. This fragrance is off. And so she wasn't willing. She was too afraid. Mm. Where there are other business owners that that particular mentor finds and they're going, yeah, that sounds awesome. And they end up being partners. You know, he ends up partnering with that business and the business is, you know, into the multiple seven figures. Wow. Wow, that's so, amazing. Right. So there there is that there is that difference. And well, I would this, say Yeah. I was so gonna say you just helped me identify like another aspect of an ideal client. It's <laughs> someone <laughs> who's ready. Mm -hmm. Right. Someone who who's ready. And that I think that's really important. And maybe important for everybody's work, like the client needs to be ready. Exactly. So a lot of people that are listening, uh, many of them have fledgling businesses and, you know, 95% of the businesses in the U.S. fail mm -hmm. and you are successful in business. So what, what is it? Uh, I know that passion drives us, but there's a lot more developing a know-how and a knack for being able to earn a living from your passion. So what makes you different than other people? Like what, what, what drives you and keeps you in business? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I've had my ups and downs as well, but I think that, I think that for me, like wanting to fulfill potent, my own potential is what mm -hmm. keeps me going. And um, I think even more, I don't want to like tell the universe I don't want money because I want money. <laughs> like I want abundance. But I think for me, that's even a bigger driver is that, that, that drive to fulfill my potential. And I know there's more there. And I, and I think that's at some level true for everyone that we're all creators and that we can, you know, when we're creating and giving energy, it feels so good. And I think that's why entrepreneurship is so seductive because it gives the chance to have that unique giving of energy and, and fulfilling our potential. But I'm not like, I, I'm not against a side hustle. If you need a high side hustle to keep your dream alive, go for it because there's no shame in no shame in that. So, well, um, you know, and a lot of, so you just spoke to something that a lot of people feel icky about. It's like, Oh, I don't want to admit that I want to earn money. But um, the thing is that it creates a flow. So when somebody pays you, they're allowed to receive. And if they don't pay you, then they never receive it. Right. Right. 
Yeah, I've done some work around money recently. I've been you know, doing some some training with with someone and some like you know to up my belief system around money. And one of the things that's been really helpful for me is thinking about money as an entity with which I have a real relationship. And what kind of a relationship do I want to have? You know, am I open? Am I open to the love that money wants to give me? Am I a good receiver? Right. Yes. We all, uh, because I think especially as healers and, and I, I, this is a stereotype, but as women as well, we want to give and give and give and give. And you, you can't get unless you're open to receiving. And if you've ever been with a partner where you don't accept their love, right? Like they go away, they don't stay with you. So you have to open up your arms to money and say, I love you. I want you. I receive you just like you would a lover, you know, like yeah, it's, it's just energy. It's the energy yeah. of whatever it is you do, you receive for it. That's a lesson that I want to teach a lot of healers and people who, who receive healing. Like some people say, well, you should do this for me for free because I'll be forever grateful. And I said, well, I can't pay my mortgage with gratitude, right. <laughs> number one. And number two, the healings just don't, don't land for people that don't pay me. They just don't land. They don't work. Right. And, and I think that as a service provider, the greatest transformation you can give someone is when they pay for you. You're both invested at a much different level. Yes, so. exactly. And the other thing is that I, you know, once I am satisfying my own basic needs and you know, wants, you know, and then it's not, it, it's relatively modest compared to a lot of people that want to earn a lot of money, but then you can do so much good with it. Right. right. And right. so I, you know, I donate a portion of my income to, to um, two or three charities, depending on what time of year. Okay. And, um, and I do it consistently. And I just feel like that's the best way to, to deal with it. So those healers and, you know, helpers and coaches and women, look, you can do a lot of good with your great talents, right? Right. But, it, you know, if you want to create different things in the world, like if you wanted to create your own charity or if you wanted to create something to help people, that takes resources to do that. So. Exactly. It all takes resources. And it's not the old days where, like in the, the apostles, you know, the disciples could go from village to village and they would get fed and clothed and housed and, you know, they can go on to the next village and do their healing. <laughs> we don't do that now. So, you know, you've learned some lessons along the ways with the ups and downs. I, ha I have too. So what's one of the biggest lessons you learned to, that to do over again, you would pass on to someone who's just starting out? Um, I would say uh, just to continually align with what makes you feel good always because when you do that and you'll you're the energy person when you do that for this is what I've learned when you really tune in to what makes you feel good you you have more energy you have more magnetism I mean when when I when I do things I really love and I'm really excited about magical things happen like I went through a phase a few months ago where people from Facebook were sending me things like like someone, someone on my list sent me two, um, like sort of antique opera books for out of the blue. Wow. You know, just be, yeah, just because I was in that zone of really, you know, aligned with what was making me feel good. And if you, I will say one other thing, one other thing is I always say this and I, it, I wish, I, I wish someone had said this to me earlier. There are no business model police. No one is going to knock on your door and arrest you if you don't do your business model a certain way. It, it has to fit you. It has to fit you. And that's kind of what I mean by do it. If you don't want to have a six-month coaching program, don't do it. If you only want to work with VIP clients once a month, once a month do that. Like, do what makes you happy in your business because it's hard enough with all it like I had a like we were talking about that before the interview I had a tech issue I had to take care of before we hopped back on the interview tonight and that that's not what I like doing so there are enough difficulties in the running of your business that 
you really need that energy to keep focused on the things within your business that light you up, that make you feel powerful, that make you feel excited, that make you feel like you have significance. And, and it's, then things and, will flow. Right. And there's a real good energetic reason for doing that is that the low energy emotions, which is, which is, um, shame, guilt, anger, worry, stress, anxiety, all those, those things that uh, when you wallow in those, it just lowers your frequency. It's like dimming the light bulb. And right. there's actual measurements of energy fields that show that. And when you're in that happy, joyous place, it's like turning on the thousand watt light bulb and everybody can feel you and see you. And that's what makes you attractive. Right. Right. And I think that's the, the secret. I mean, I think that's the secret. Mm -hmm. I really, I really do. It's what keeps you going. Yeah. It's, and you, and you have a free gift at your website and I it's do. called seven steps to become an industry star. So tell us a little bit about that and how, and we'll talk about how people can claim it today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a free gift, completely free, and it walks through the seven things that I think are essential to become a leader or a star in your industry, and it's a seven email series, and it comes with um, workbook, um, not workbook, templates and worksheets to work through, and daily reminders to keep you going on you know, the path of the seven steps so that you really understand. And by the end, you have some tools to use and you also have some information to look at to see, okay, which of these seven steps am I really, you know, cooking with gas on and where do I need a little help with this? So um, that's what it is. And it's on my, it's on my homepage too. Yeah. So our homepage is Heather Paduska. It's H-E-A-T-H-E-R-P-O-D-U-S-K-A.com. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been a total delight. I learned so much just by listening to you. And I'm sure the audience is going to be really excited about all of those things that you do. And I'm sure they're going to listen to you with interest and also uh, download that free gift. And I, I did that. And I agree, those templates are really, really helpful to for you to fill out and, you know, go through this process that we talked about today. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Heather. I really, I really enjoyed your company. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here too. <laughs> awesome. So thank you for listening to Scientific Healing and for our wonderful guest, Heather Paduska. And let's you and I connect. Go to scientifichealer.com and sign up for your free 11-minute um, wake-up-your-brain audio. And I know some of you that help or heal others intuitively or energetically are ready to take your gift to create a huge impact in the world, far beyond where you are now or where you could imagine that you could be. I invite you into a conversation right now. I have reserved time for you on my calendar at scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment. This is Dr. Anastasia Choplis. Until next time. Okay, awesome.